morning, afternoon, night. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's one of those. It's one of those. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent. Welcome once again to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I am Anthony. I am Dale. And there's only three rules you need to remember on this podcast. Expect the unexpected. Take it outside. And be nice. Until it's time not to be nice. Well, how am I going to know that? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite characters. How are we supposed to know that? Um, <clears throat> In a movie well, filled with great characters. <laughs> In all seriousness, uh, at least for an 80s movie, has there ever been a movie that delved so deeply into what it means to be human than the 1989 bar drama Roadhouse. <laughs> Perhaps not. Because <laughs> you can't think of any other hey, bar dramas. Good night. <laughs> is, is that the category? Is that the, is that the genre? I think maybe Cocktail gives it a run for its money. <clears throat> You're right. I forgot about Cocktail. There um, you go. So, you know, I, I used to believe in the concept of guilty pleasure movies until I just one day I said, you know what? I really don't feel guilty about anything I watch or enjoy as long as it's legal. Um, you know, but this Roadhouse for me was a type of movie. Like, I'll be watching it. My wife will start walking into the room and I'll scramble for the remote and try to change it. And she'll doing and changing the channel and she'll be like were you watching roadhouse and i'll be like no 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 i was watching porn because <laughs> I, I would be i would be less ashamed <laughs> and she's like no it was roadhouse no no it was porn really um but if if i was going to define guilty pleasure it would be something i enjoy but cannot defend on any aesthetic ground mm. and this fits this fits the bell perfectly do you have a mm. guilty pleasure you can think of um uh, you know i i can't think of anything any movie that i you know watch routinely when it comes on that i would consider a guilty pleasure i don't i'm trying to i've 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 thought about it and I really don't think that, I mean, I watch some and enjoy some so-so movies, but not ones that are so unfathomably bad that it's, you just can't really say anything, you know, good about it, except maybe, you know, some fairly ancillary stuff. So no, I don't, I actually don't think that I have for film a guilty pleasure. That one with uh, Richard Thomas, the Magnificent Seven ripoff in space. Yeah, but I don't that, enjoy that. <laughs> I thought you liked that one. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, it's a bad 80s Star Wars ripoff, and, and y- you kind of watch it and accept it for what it is. And, but, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't think I finished it when I watched it the last time. I think I've seen it from beginning to end maybe once. 
Well, Roadhouse is to me. It's interesting. I I used to think it was just all of it was bad, right? It was just I enjoy it, but I'm not going to make any type of excuse for it. It's just all bad. But on my latest it rewatch, isn't, it isn't. It isn't all bad. On my latest rewatch, I decided that. With with the rare exception, the acting itself is at least serviceable. Uh huh. I agree. Um, the dialogue's not their fault, <laughs> but <laughs> but the acting, like some of it's good, but most of it's at least serviceable. Um, if you like action, there's there's plenty of mindless action. Uh, the st- the 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 plot is a classic, right? The the quiet stranger comes to a corrupt town and cleans it up. It's it's the vehicle in which it is told that I think kind of makes it almost one of those. It's it's so bad, it's good, guilty pleasure. I mean, it's it, the well, okay. So, uh, well, I'll so it has, in my opinion, three things that are generally good about it. And then there are some things that I would say I enjoy about it. Um, But the three things that I think are good about it, objectively, (laughs) is that it has a Mercedes 560 SEC, I believe in 1989 or thereabouts. And that's a great car. Didn't like it though. Didn't like that car. It's not a, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not one of their prettier cars. No, but I mean, and why is he driving a Mercedes 560 SEC. I mean, it's just kind of weird that he is, but it's, it's objectively, it's a great, it, it, it's a kind of a classic car from, from the, from the eighties. Um, so that's one. It had um, two, I think had two Buick Rivieras in it, including one with the clamshell headlights. Now, the clamshell, clamshell, awesome. those existed, huh? the clamshell. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are wild. I, that I, is wild. I, I don't know years or, or exactly because I'm not an American car guy, really. But yeah. Bu- um, you that know, looked like a the, 60s car, didn't it? I think it pro- It was probably uh, 60s or maybe early 70s with the clamshell headlights. But so that was th- those those things are definitely objectively, you know, kind of cool. nice to see. Yep. And then um, it has the Jeff Healy band. The music. Um, most of the music is really good and there's no way in hell that Jeff anybody like the Jeff Healy band would be playing in that place. No. And and I'm not a huge Jeff Healy fan, you know, and I don't like that style of music particularly. It bores me um after about 30 seconds, but um but I mean the Jeff Healy band that's a that's a <laughs> good group. I mean that's right. you know that's it's like I mean it's not like a Mercedes 560 SEC, but you know, I mean it's a professional professional musicians. Yeah. 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 And uh, and playing and a lot was, of their stuff. He was one of the better actors, actually, in the <laughs> film. <I thought. laughs> well, he 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 had the luxury of not seeing what was going on. It's <laughs> <This is> true. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhouse is a 1989 film by uh, the director was Roddy Harrington. Roddy Harrington did Jack's Back. Did you ever see that? That is another 80s. Oh, he did. Jay- did he really? Yeah, that's, I, a, that's a weird movie. That's a weird movie that I enjoy, but again, I'm not going to defend it on too many aesthetic grounds. With James Spader, yeah. Um, he also did a Murder of Crows, which I haven't seen since I initially watched it on VHS. 
which has Vince Vaughn, Janine Garofalo is an FBI agent. It's a, I, I remember it being a quirky, kind of a fun film. But that said, I have not seen that movie in about 20 years. Yeah. And he's also a Penn State. He was a Penn State graduate. Hmm. Um, uh, it stars Patrick Swayze as Dalton. Ben Gazzara. Yeah, I love as, Ben Gazzara. As Brad Wesley. If Ben Gazzara's last name in this movie is Brad Wesley, then just, you know, call me Cho Min Fat. Because he's, he's no Brad Wesley. <laughs> Kelly Lynch was Elizabeth Clay, the doctor. Sam Elliott. I always, I love Sam Elliott. I don't care what Sam Elliott does. I want him on my side. Um, Kevin, is it Tiger Tig? He is Frank Tillman, the, the actor from Emergency and Lost. The owner of the yeah. Double Deuce. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's had a really good character actor career. Yes, he has. He's been kind he of got, all over the place. Jeff Healy uh, is in it. Sunshine Parker is Emmett, the landlord. Kathleen Wilhoyt was Carrie Ann. Terry Funk was Morgan. Marshall Teague was Jimmy. And we can go talk about some of these people after we get done going through some of the plot, if you want, because... Actually, believe it or not, there's some interesting stuff about the cast. I believe so that. I really mean, it, interesting. And, it's a big cast. And funny stuff. There's some funny stuff. Yeah, it's, and it it's is a, a big cast. It's there's a, big, a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Um, I mean, I, I think there's, there are characters that go nowhere that, uh, that they, oh, yeah. they could have. <laughs> that they kind Including of, the lead. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that they kind of started to try to maybe do something with to kind of flesh them out a little bit, but then just gave up halfway through the movie, which is kind of weird. So what we basically have is uh, Kevin Teague Tig is Frank Tillman. He's come into some money recently and he owns the Double Deuce, a bar outside in, in a bar in um, is it Jasper? Jasper, Jasper, Missouri. Jasper, Missouri. Out, yes. Outside someplace Kansas outside City. of Kansas City. Yep. And it is, I think they say, you're sweeping up the every night. It's a rough place. The fights break out every night. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's a horrible. All right. Everything okay? Yes. Everything is, is fine. Sorry about that. Not it's a problem. Quasi emergency that wasn't an emergency. So, oh, good. So we were talking, we were talking about the cast. I'm sorry. When I kind we're of talking about out. Mr. Mr. Tillman. Oh, that's right. Double deuce. That's right. We were talking about Mr. Tillman owning. Bad double, place. Yeah, he he comes now. Where is where does he first run across Patrick Swoozy? I um, think he, it's the bandstand. I think that's supposed to be L.A. Okay, that's I don't I I tried to look to see if I could see the license plates. I it just felt like L.A. to me. Okay, could be. I suppose it could be my well, no, not Miami. I don't know. I'm not sure. It 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 felt like L.A. to me. He goes seeking. Dalton. We never get a first name, do we? Mm, no. Because Dalton's the best damn cooler in the business. Yes. I had never heard of a cooler before this. I looked it up. It, it apparently is a thing, although I don't know if it originated with this movie and became a thing. It was always a thing, but that's the... He's the head bouncer who is also so supposed to have some interpersonal skills and the ability the ability to de-escalate a situation. Mm. That's what, that's what distinguishes the cooler 
from just an average bouncer. Got it. But he gets to see Dalton's skills when he enters the bandstands. Um, he notices all the money that's being laid down. The you know the the yes the gold cash, express cards, cards hundred yes. dollar tips, and yes. it's just a money making machine. And a fight breaks out. How do you like the guy? The fight breaks out. They have the guy. He says everything's cool. Sorry. And then Patrick Swayze just says, okay, you know, take him out. Then the guy turns and stabs Swayze in the arm. And then challenges him to a fight after he wounds him. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's an interesting thing about this movie, I noticed, is that people will pull a knife on you in this movie at the drop of a hat. I know. It's like a Friday night at my house. Knives... (laughs) All over the place. Everybody carries a knife. People have guns, knives. Yeah. Yeah. And they're big knives, too. I mean, they're it's not like they're big knives. little knives. They're, I mean, the first guy, he's got a fairly small knife, but the rest of the knives in the movie are huge. They get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> like hunting um, bears out there or something. <laughs> so then, uh, you know, Tillman goes upstairs, talks to Swayze, wants him to come take care of the double deuce. Swayze agrees. Um, 5000 up front. Yes. 500 a night. Yeah. You you pay all medical expenses. Ooh. We know there's going to be trouble. And then and then we see Patrick Swayze driving off in that 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 lovely lovely car with New York plates by the way. Yes, I noticed that. Uh, I kind of made me scratch my head. Maybe from his NYU days. I don't know how you uh, okay, well, lots of reasons that doesn't work. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's got the Mercedes and he's going to drive to Jasper, Wyoming. So, basically, a big bar, it's a dive. It's its disgusting, actually. Well, the- it's, it, it is, I, I noticed this. It, <laughs> it is a bar of bad behavior and scantily clad very well done up ladies yeah that, they're like they're like dressed for a night out in manhattan yes but it's a town of like <laughs> but 19 the men, people the men are all wearing jeans and torn t-shirts it's just up somewhere wearing <laughs> suspenders yes <laughs> one guy one guy danced he's not wearing a shirt at all yeah did you see that guy yes i saw that guy scenes so dalton is scouts out the joint he comes in there's four or five bouncers and they none of them have like real any type of training or leadership it's every every man for themselves he's got a couple waitresses he's got the band in a cage being protected from flying beer bottles yes um all hell breaks loose dalton just watches as the bar is essentially destroyed. Yes. The tables, the chairs, bottle. I mean, it's 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 the, it's a it's a bloodbath. Yeah, and it's a nightly occurrence, right? It's a nightly occurrence. It looks like the head bouncer is that um is is uh Morgan. Um yes. just a big brute of a guy. Uh and he just instead of it's instead of de-escalating side, he just like punches the guy, throws him into a people at a table. 
They yes. get up, start, start, start the fight, and and Dalton's just watching us all very calmly, coolly. Yeah. Yes, because he's the cool, he's the cool yeah. guy. Then, uh, you know, he's summoned upstairs by the by the owner, and uh, you know, he leaves. He knows the band, by the way, because they played in Dayton together. He he, he yeah, was apparently places Dayton, yeah. Um, and the next thing we know, he's going to find a place to live. And I like that place. I the thought, place where he went to live? Yeah, except for the fact that you just walk up the stairs and you're in the room. There's no, like... Yeah. It's, it's like the... It's, like it's the a top, loft in a barn. A loft, a loft in a barn, but there's no, like... You just walk up the stairs from the first floor of the barn into the loft, which is very nice. Yeah. yeah. But it's Missouri. I know it, I know it typically doesn't get, you know, sub you know 10 degrees below zero winters but i don't know you know it's kind of open but it is kind of a neat place it is and it was weird too because it looked like like the it also looked to me like not all of the walls were completely finished right yeah <laughs> yeah and it's 25 dollars a day uh, 25 dollars a week yeah i guess what what do you expect and emmett played by sunshine parker he's great he says he's got a he actually has a, a funny line where he says something like, you know, it's not about the money, but if I don't charge you something, the Presbyterians will be all pissed off at me. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea what that means or why he's picking on the Presbyterians, but I thought it I find that line funny. And he also said he twenty one people must have looked at that room and nobody wanted it. I'm like, there's not twenty one people in that town. It doesn't seem it. 21 people didn't. Although he happens to live right across a, I don't know, is it river? A, Creek? Pond, or I thought it was a big pond at first, but maybe it is a river from a very, very large, expensive house. New house. Yeah. yeah. With, a, with a pool where evidently ladies like to get naked and jump in the pool. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I'm not complaining. I'm just noting that it, it seems yeah. to happen with the. Uh, regularity over there we're kind of introduced to brad wesley the yes it i it it's a refreshing character he is a bad man there is nothing redeeming about him whatsoever nothing you know you know today there's a there's a temptation Yeah, yeah Of every now and then, you show slight humanity in the villain. He's nice to a cat, or he helps a poor kid, and then goes back to his evil. He's this pure, pure evil. He is, and he's played by the 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 great Ben Gazzara. Yes, but you don't really meet him there. <clears throat> Next day, Dalton's introduced to the group. Gentleman wants to build a new double deuce, but to do so, he's got to clean things up because. <clears throat> he's never going to get the, the crowds he needs as long as it's a, as long as there's you know, buckets of blood pouring out of there every night. And I got to believe that the cost to repair the damage that is done every night is extraordinary. Well, I put this because they're breaking right. tables, they're throwing beer bottles all over the place, they're crashing liquor into bottles. Stuff. Yeah, I mean that it must. It, <laughs> how could they afford to stay well, look, in business? Well, listen, for more than two nights. <laughs> He's got two bartenders. He's got three waitresses. He's got four bouncers. He's yeah. got a band. Yeah. And the Jeff Healy band. 
I, I, they're, they're Canadian, <laughs> so maybe they're not well, as expensive, but still. I, <laughs> but it's not the Jeff Healy band. <laughs> it's a band that would play the Double Deuce, apparently. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he even. Well, he came into money, so it looks like at least. Oh, that's right. Front, he did. He said he came in. Yeah, he came into. Yeah, some money. yeah I yeah, think he's. Right. I think he's dipping into his private fund to pay, pay, pay for the corporate resources because. You know, there's almost as many. Oh no, he actually had a pretty good crowd. It was just the type yeah, of crowd. Yeah, lots of people. It's just they destroyed yeah. everything. For every dollar they drank, they destroyed a dollar fifteen stuff. I think. Easy, easy. Yeah, they're breaking glass. They're breaking mirrors. Uh, you're like beer bottles over the place. Tables, chairs gone, smashed. Yep. Um, and but he basically turns the business over to Dalton. Dalton says, you know, I run the show. And that's where he gives those those three great rules for life. It's yes, always never under never underestimate your opponent. Mm. Always take it outside and be nice. And yeah. that's how I got through law school. I, I always took it outside. <laughs> I never <laughs> underestimated my opponent. <laughs> and it's a good good rule for life, you know. Uh, he he fires Morgan. He fires the big. Uh, bouncer because he doesn't have the the temperament for the trade. No, clearly. He, fi- he fires one of the waitresses because she's dealing drugs. Yeah, bad girl. And then he, you know, he, he pretty much takes over and we get a kind of a series of what would you call them? The 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 growing pains of the new double deuce as the the bouncers are are trying to handle things. Yeah, kind of some strange scenes in there, um, but but yeah, they they kind of they 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 employ his rules. They start to employ his rules. That's yes. right. Yes, and and things start to go better. Things do start to go better. They start to clean up a bit, um, and I never, <laughs> I never quite so. He finally learns that Brad Wesley pretty much he just owns the town, intimidates people when he wants to. Started a kind of a um, uh, a business business improvement district that yes. all the all the businesses belong to, and they all have to chip in like ten percent. I think he said ten percent yeah. of what I don't know, ten percent of monthly, weekly. Yeah, like uh, but you pretty much have to join, and it's it's it sounds it's it's a shakedown. But given the size of the town that we see, it's shocking <laughs> that he makes as much money. I mean, he owns a helicopter. Yeah, the that's not the helicopter. yeah, that's not the only thing he's doing. I I would like to know what he's doing. That's this part of his his tyranny. That's just a small section of his empire. I think. Okay. All right. Um, he meets Red, who owns the the auto supply parts place. Yes. He meets, uh, well, he gets, how does he get? How does he get what? So here's what I, this is one of the things I don't, I don't quite understand. We know he shakes, he shakes down red for money and red pays. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Presumably he's shaking down everyone else. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Okay. I almost forgot. He fires Pat the bartender. That's yes. when things start to go south. Pat the bartender yes. happens to be Brad Wesley's nephew. Brad Wesley's nephew. So he fires him. Next thing you know, uh, a couple of Wesley's henchmen are in the office threatening. Dalton comes up. 
fight breaks out. Good guys win, but Dalton gets Dalton gets slashed. Yes. And that's when he meets Kelly Lynch at the hospital, who's a doctor. Right. I'm assuming that hospital is about 25, 30 minutes away in a in a place where people actually live. I don't think that hospital is not in the town. Uh, right? It, it's who knows. No way. No way. Does it matter? I guess not. I guess not. That's where she's gonna she's gonna sew him up, and she said, "I looked at your file. I see you have a degree in philosophy from NYU." Yeah. Does your do your medical records say what degree you have? <laughs> <laughs> it was such a clumsy way to like get into the fact that well, he's he's not just a a skilled fighter. How do you, how do you know re- that I only got a C minus in ethics? <laughs> says here you got. <laughs> says here you got a C minus in Will's, in Will's trust in estates. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I thought that was so ham fisted. Uh, God. Yeah. Um, that's where he says pain don't hurt, right? That's classic, right? Pain don't hurt. Words yeah. to words to live by. Uh, yeah. How does a philosophy major come up with those three words and stick them together in that order? <laughs> well, it's it's the philosophy department at NYU. It's 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 not like Yale. Well, maybe. Well, okay. You know, I have no. Clue. It's a good thing we don't have a lot of listeners. Now you're gonna have to remind me what happens next because I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> because what what kind of happens is so I guess a war breaks out because he won't take they won't rehire Pat. Meanwhile, they, they won't rehire Pat. Then he he the, destroys, the bad guy... destroys the used car lot with with, with a monster truck. Because he does that I at some point. Yeah, but guy... before that, before that though, before the the used car lot thing, um, um, he um, um, Ben Gazzara shuts off the the distributors. That takes so they effect can't get, over time, right? Yeah, I mean, so that, they can't get the so they can't get the um, can't get the alcohol because they really got the place jumping now. They've redone it. Yeah, it looks, it looks a lot better inside and out. It's filled well, up. Well, I mean, it looks like an '80s joint. It looks a lot better than it did before, which looked like an 1880s carriage house, you know, on the on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yes, with hay on the floor. Um, I, th- I swear to God, I think there was hay on the floor in the to soak up the blood. Scene. Yeah, to soak yeah. up the blood. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so they got it right where it is, but the the liquor's going to run out because yeah, who's the local distributor? I don't know. Some Brad Wesley. Who, oh, is that right? Okay. The guy who has so a he knew a guy who knew a guy. Yeah. No, it's him. So yeah, they're going to sink, and that's when he calls in his mentor, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. In the guise of Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Not with a mustache, but just with kind of very, 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 very long, scruffy facial hair. Has he looked that way? He looked that way about 15 years before this movie, and he still looks that way today, right? I believe he does, yes. I love Sam Elliott. He's Wade Garrett. He's really the best in the business, according to Dalton. Yes. Um, you know, he shows up. There's this essentially this war going on where how many times does how many times do, does Wesley's 
uh, minions go into the bar and start a fight. It's going to be like three uh, or four times, right? A lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the one where the guy has the, the he pulls the, he pulls a um, from Russia with love move. He's got the he's got the <laughs> knife blade in the toe of his boot. Yes, he that doesn't. Guy? He doesn't end well though. No, he, he he yeah. He's gonna need some PT. Yeah, I think so. After that, yeah. um, you know, there's a little romance brewing between him and the doctor, who happens to be Red's niece. Yes, and I, I it, it was either that. Ben Gazzara either would had dated her at one point or no, was eager to. I think so. I think it was just the okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he was into her. She left town because he's Ben Gazzara and creepy. Um, yeah, so they try to weave in a little bit of um, jealousy there on the part of Ben Gazzara. There's a scene where the the um, used car lot owner gets his establishment destroyed mm-hmm. when most of his cars are run over by a big monster truck but why did Wesley do that was that guy not paying did that guy so, refuse to pay so at some point when when they i think it was i think it was when they when they cuz they blow up reds uh this is when they meet okay yep store right so they set so it then, fire. so then the local businessmen all three of them get together. I mean, it's amazing. The three of them are funding his hell. I mean, the three of them alone couldn't fund his helicopter. So he's got to be doing other stuff. Oh, he's doing a ton of stuff. Yeah. He's bringing but, in businesses and stuff like that. But yeah. So yeah, the that's when the businessmen meet with the yeah, doctors they, there and Swayze's there. Yeah. And they all get together and say, well, what are we going to do when they kind of, you know, <laughs> shuffle their feet? And... The smart guy says, what about the fucking F? Because Wesley yes. owns the county sheriff. Right. And the local constable and law enforcement. The guy says, it's like, is there no FBI or state police in Missouri? What's going on? But the, the, the used car lot guy actually says, I have a friend in the FBI. Yeah. And Red says, who's going to testify against yeah, in Springfield. you? Yeah, in Springfield. Right. And yeah. I'm like, well, come on. He's, he's destroying businesses out in the open. I don't really yeah. think you need, <laughs> you know... <laughs> kind of witness protection 25 people have seen this the FBI could the way this guy operated the FBI could have had this case sewn up in about what seven hours with yeah. a couple wiretaps and some video yeah well I mean it's 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 <laughs> shocking that not almost literally everybody in this movie should be in jail <laughs> because I think Except- everybody in the movie has committed you know, aggravated battery at least once <laughs> in the movie. Except you, you see no semblance of any government. None. What's <laughs> the closest thing to you have to anything that looks barely official is when the fire department comes when Red's business is burning down. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it doesn't just burn down, it explodes. Well, of course, because every time you start a fire, every time you start a fire in this movie, there's an explosion. Yes. Uh, see now you say you don't like this movie but you're having a good time talking about it right now right (laughs) (laughs) yes and then there's uh, Wesley gets back at the used car salesman used car new car I have no idea he just in broad daylight in front of like a hundred people 
has someone take a, one of those big monster cars and just drive over the cars on the lot into yeah. the shop? <laughs> yes, yes. It's um, it's uh, it's, it's a remarkable. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah. And um, then he gets at some point Dalton gets a job offer from Wesley. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was looking for that because that was kind of like I was like, okay, he's gonna offer him. No, they do the, the they do the the classic. They did. Okay. They come to pick him up. They say, "Mr. Wesley wants to see you." Oh, that's right. It's yeah. the one dork who's always wearing the blazer, but he still gets in fights. And then, yes. and then Tinker, the idiot who wears the suspenders and the cuffed jeans. Yes. <laughs> and the green, the greasy like baseball cap. <laughs> Um, yeah, he goes to see Ben Gazer, and Ben Gazer is basically like, "Yeah, got a cousin down in Memphis. Heard you killed a guy. You say it was self defense, but we know better. You like it. You, you like it. You of course, like you like it. Why wouldn't you like it? Yeah, killing people's fun. It's something that's good to do. And he shows. He just one of the great lines from Ben Gazer. He shows Dalton. He talks about how when he got back from Korea, he moved to Jasper, and basically. He's responsible for bringing in businesses and and trying to put it on the map and and um, he shows Dalton getting an a, IKEA I think or JC Penny JC Penny or an IKEA yeah, I think he's got a line that says I brought in a JC Penny a goddamn JC Penny right yeah. here yeah he shows him a picture of his grandfather and Dalton says he looks like an important man and Ben Gazer says he was an asshole. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't have to go into how many times Ben Gazzara's girlfriend hits on Dalton. It's it's once every seven was it minutes. Ben Gazzara's girlfriend, or was it his henchman's girlfriend? No, it was his girlfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Ben Gazzara. Yeah, just about every woman, by the way, in this movie, at some point or other, takes their top off. Yes, yes, except Carrie Ann, the waitress. Right, Carrie. Right, Carrie Ann, the waitress, does not. Um. Ben Gazzara's got, I mean, most of his henchmen are clowns. One yeah. guy looks fairly, I think the guy, you know, at the end, uh, we could talk about him later. He seems some, like, presumably somewhat competent, but everyone else is kind of, kind of just an idiot, except he's got Jimmy, played by Marshall, Marshall Teague. Um, and that he's an ex-con who's taller, stronger, Yes. Than Patrick Swayze and just as good a fighter, just uh, as just as good a fighter, right? Uh, well, almost. Almost. Well, almost. Well, up to a point, <laughs> right? Up to a point. Up to, right. up to the point when he loses. Yes, but up to that, he's he's very intimidating guy. He just he, like, st- he just stares at people for like thirty seconds too long. Yes. Um, and never smiles. So yes. so he's like he's like Greg from Succession. um so ben gazera's got these henchmen but he's got one guy who's kind of like his killer yeah (laughs) that's the guy when you really want to get something done yeah Um, no one's really going to stand in that guy's way except Except our hero yeah well except well except when that guy like at one point gazera comes into the bar with all of his henchmen and this guy his 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 pet uh, ex-con Goes and takes a billiard cue, yeah, and he does you know these karate moves on the dance floor, 
and you know, kind of something like "Come and get me." And yeah. all the bouncers look at Patrick Sage. <laughs> he goes, what? he's like, kind of, yeah, he go, not, go, go get him, go get him. <laughs> he could he not? Did he I not? Mean, right. Did I he mean, not has, no. He's he's never seen a movie in his life that he's that's just like, going to get his his bouncers beaten that's up. That's like my twelve year old looking at Mike Tyson and me going, "Go ahead, try it. Yeah. Go ahead." <laughs> right. Exactly. They're they're. He, they're gonna get their ass kicked. They yep. do get their asses kicked. Yep. I don't know what. Pat, maybe not Patrick Swayze. Maybe this not that good an administrator. No, I don't think he is. That was a. That was and because he's got he's there and so is um yeah so is Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's there too, but he sends he sends the kind of the the nice guy, the fat guy, yeah, and one or two other people in after this guy, and they he just he just mows them right down. Yep. Um. Again, I, I lost count of how many how many fights there are. I don't know. Why is this just? You never hear of like. You never hear that Tillman's part of the the kind of the Better Business Bureau shakedown. I guess he must be right, but you never hear that. He's I guess pain he's, or not yeah, pain. He is. I mean, he definitely is because everybody is. Yeah, it's so, so this, it's just he's just this is just over not rehiring the the nephew who was skimming from the till. This is is this what this is all about? It, it, yeah, I think that it is. I think. Well, well, well it it's that and the fact that um Patrick Swayze won't work for him. Yeah, he's and he's annoying. I mean, he's just an annoying guy, right? He does Tai Chi out on the lake in the mornings. You know, he's having sex with the guy's, you know, girl that he likes. He's friends with all the, you know, business guys. He's got to go, right? I mean, I've seen enough movies. He's got to go. Uh, yeah. Yes. He's, he's, but I, I guess I, there's a way to take care of, this is the most inefficient way to take care of someone. <laughs> that I've ever seen. Just That's... keep sending guys in to have a fight in a bar where there's like 120 people watching. Yeah. yeah. When he lives, when he lives on, uh, he he lives a well. He's on a farm. There's only one other person out there, right across the river. Yeah. Uh, could you think of it if you really want to get? Can you think yeah, but... of a better way to do it? And uh, he even maybe? blows up. He blows up the guy's house. He could blow up the barn in which Patrick Swayze <laughs> is sleeping, and instead he blows up. <laughs> The house. He blows Why up. Does he do he, that? He blows up the. He's like this you know reminds he me of a... He's a Bond villain, right? He, yeah. That's what he is. That he's a yeah. Bond villain, right? He's, he's, a, he's a, you know he's you know, a cartoon. Mr. Yeah, he's a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. It's uh, it's unashamed. He's unashamedly a cartoon. They don't. Yeah. They don't try to do anything to make him even two dimensional. Yeah. Let alone like a three dimensional type of character. He is. Yeah. He's a Bond villain. He's a cartoon villain. He's wonderful. There's yeah. like he could, I don't. He could. He could make anything. He could take the best thing in the world and he'd find a way to make it bad or do something. Do something terrible, and it's great. It's great. I, it's so refreshing, right? There's nothing nuanced about this guy. No, I know. <laughs> he's the villain. <laughs> well, is Jamie Lannister really is he honorable or not honorable? And this and that is like. No, Brad, but no, I know this. This guy is the villain. He is. Yes. Yes. Um, oh boy, what else is going on in this movie? Um, well, let, let's talk about. I mean, all I want to. His... Let's get. Can we get to the end and then we'll go back and fill it in? 
Okay. Or do you want to? Sure, sure, sure. No, this is, we... well, I don't. Yeah, because there's a bunch of details I'd like to talk about. Okay, so yeah, where where were we? <laughs> well, we were someplace where there's a fight in a bar. <laughs> I'm going to short circuit this. Um, Sam Sam Elliott shows up. Sam Elliott helps out. Sam Elliott gets killed. Dalton flips his lid, takes his Mercedes to the house where there's a showdown. And I want to pick apart that showdown a little bit. Well, he also kills the the the, the ex con guy. There, that's right. That, yeah. So, that's, so let me, let who, me, let um, me. is the is the ex con guy? Is that he's leaving after Emmett's house well, blows so, up? So is that so, so 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 um so Emmett's house blows up, and um they see you know. What's this? I, I'm Jimmy. sorry. Jimmy. Jimmy. They see Jimmy riding away on a motorcycle and Patrick Swayze does a flying leap and tackles him and then <laughs> and then beats him up by the side of the river or the lake or whatever it is and rips his throat out. He ripped his throat out. Yeah. <laughs> he rips his throat out after the guy threatens him with a gun. Do his you think girlfriend. There was in the beginning where the guy says, hey, that's that's Dalton. They say he uh, one time he he, you know, Ripped a guy's heart right out of his chest. I think that was maybe foreshadowing for what he did to oh, yeah, yeah. Jimmy's yeah. throat. Yeah. Wow. They did foreshadowing in this movie. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. So, um, Jimmy's so he, dead. He, he, he kills Jimmy. And then this is, this is kind of where, because up until, so after Gazara has the guy drive the monster truck through the thing, and some other stuff happens. Sam Elliott says to Patrick Swayze, let's get out of here. Yeah. This guy's nuts. That guy's, yeah, he's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Let, this is not cool. And he's like, you know, come on, let's, let, this, this is not us, right? You know, we're, we're bouncers or, or whatever, the coolers. Um, and, um, and so Sam Elliott's kind of like, yeah, let's get out of here. And then his girlfriend is like, yeah, you know, getting out of here is not a bad idea because <laughs> you're crazy and, and he's crazy because Patrick Swayze is going through something. And it, I, it, I have, he? I, I, he, he's supposed to be because he's, he's making weird facial expressions like he's constipated. So <laughs> something's going on. And uh. it has something to do with having killed somebody in the past. And I don't know whether he he feels guilty about it, but it, it, that is somehow making him stay. I don't know what, it, something's weird is happening. I think they just decided to throw something in there. Anyway, so he's just going to stay. They blow up the guy's house. He rips this guy's throat out. And um, the, his girlfriend says, you're nuts. <laughs> I'm out of here. Not, not, not an irrational response. No, right. One of the, one of the only sane people in this movie. Um, so the next day, um, um, Patrick Swayze goes to the bar and even though everything is on, nobody is there. And, um, Wesley calls him and says, well, it's your choice. It's either going to be your friend, Sam Elliott, or. I can't remember who. Some other guy. The girlfriend. Oh, the girlfriend. Right. One of the yeah. two is gonna gonna die. Right. And um, you choose. Flips, and of course, Patrick doesn't choose, and so Wesley flips a coin, but doesn't tell him what it is. And that evidently is the kind of the throws Pat, uh, Patrick after having killed another person. Um, 
and hearing this, he kind of says, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. Sam Elliott comes staggering into the bar all beat up. And so, again, another inexplicable move. Patrick Swayze says, you're all beat up. Why stay don't you here. stay here at the bar, have a beer? <laughs> I'm going to go to the hospital <laughs> and not take you <laughs> and pick up the girlfriend, and then we'll all leave together. And uh, he goes to the hospital. Girlfriend says, you're crazy. I'm not going with you. So he goes back to the bar, and Sam Elliott has been killed, and he's got the knife in the chest with the gun on it. Says, oh, I didn't tell you this was the guy who was going to kill. And that sends Patrick Swayze over the top, and he goes and um, attacks the house. and he With the car? With the car, and he kills... um, Everybody Just, except Ben Gazzara. Everybody except Ben Gazzara and the and what's his name? The, the fat guy who has the Tinker. Bears. Tinker, right? Who has the bear? Who has on the him. the twenty two foot tall bear? Yes, fall on him. Falls on him. The stuffed bear. And uh, the, all the businessmen kill Ben Gazzara. They finally decide to take yeah. matters into their own hands. And well, so they kill Ben Gazzara. And this is the funniest. All right, we could tell. What do you want to? Let's go back. So I want to. I want to talk about just one thing I mentioned before, just to just as a note, because I because this this actually really annoyed me because um because everything they, was so consistent <laughs> up till now. <laughs> there are so many other things they did well. Why did they do this well? No, they this the secondary characters all get introduced right at the bar. You yes, got a bunch of bouncers, the and it's, you know the bartender, the waitress, right. and there's there is the modicum of some groundwork for character development with each of these people to actually you know do something or or you know play some pivotal role somewhere along the way. It's the one thing the movie and does. none of them, <laughs> and that's it. You just have that introduction. And then the movie their, their starts out. <laughs> they actually do a good job. They actually do a good job because after that, when Tillman introduces Dalton and yeah. Dalton takes over, by then they actually do a good job. You got just about all those, you you got the personality of all those characters, right? Yeah, yeah. There's the kind of quiet, nice guy. There's the nice, stupid guy. There's the 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 big animal. Yep. You know, there's the the Lothario. Yep. The there's sassy the, waitress. The sassy waitress. The um, there's another waitress there that you never see, you only see her again in the background of a couple shots. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and you got Jeff Healy and, and his guys. Yeah. And then you're right. I thought it, it may be leading to something where one of them get killed. They, other than in the bar, those, they, you never hear them getting intimidated or attacked outside the bar. No. Which would be like, wouldn't that they be some of the targets where you go and say, Stay out of that bar. You know, like, there's 500 yeah. bucks, yeah. you know, or else yeah. why not intimidate them? Like he intimidates yeah. everybody else, intimidate the waitress. Yeah. The bartenders. Easy pickings. Easy pickings, but no. Nope. Uh, also, maybe a high powered scope rifle from across the that not too wide Wesley's house to <laughs> Dalton's house rather than every five minutes send your goons to the bar where they get their asses <laughs> it's you know but speaking with the secondary characters they they could have you know played more of a role I mean it was kind of 
because the movie had that kind of a feel towards the beginning of kind of one of those 80s um, you know, teen adventure movies where everybody gets together, they rally behind their new leader who, you know, helps them all realize their worth and they go and they do yeah, something. But bit of an none, ensemble thing. Yeah, none it none of it happens. And I, I was very That's a much um, better movie. I'm, I like that. That's a much better movie. Yeah, yeah. And there's a formula for it. So it's not even like they would have to do anything. I mean it's like they worked hard to avoid doing things that would have made the movie better. Um <laughs> Hey, I got an idea. What about us? <laughs> Come on, Ralph. Shut up. <laughs> Sit down. Sit it's already been down. done. It's so formulaic. We've got to go outside of. We've got to go somewhat outside of the. Well, it is because because <clears throat> it is a classic plot. It's just the story is the one that's ridiculous. Because uh, yeah. is there a a bar slash bouncer professional circuit that I'm unaware of? That people would know, evidently, a cooler or bouncer by name, like he's who's halfway like across the country, yeah. like he's Babe Ruth reporting to the Yankees <laughs> on the first. Oh, I heard of you. <laughs> they have the trade magazine, and um, I got your rookie card. <laughs> a rookie card, like they all know this guy, like. You know. <laughs> Yeah, like it's Michael Jordan or something. And they also had heard of Wade Garrett. I mean, it's like, is there, yeah, yeah. Is there this underground bar scene where bouncers, there's famous bouncers and famous bartenders and maybe famous waitresses. It was the weirdest, goofiest thing. It really, it, it's really, it's really weird. So, so that, that kind of, that, that's one thing that I know. I also noticed that he was reading a book at one point during the, the movie. He was sitting yes. in his, and he was yeah. reading. He was reading a book by uh, an author named Jim Harrison. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't personally. I don't know. I've not read any of his stuff, but he did. Um, and it was a book of poetry, by the way. He was reading um, because he's a sensitive guy, Dalton. Um, but in the same year that this movie came out, the first movie that Jim Harrison got writing credit for came out as well. Really? And it was what, a what Keith, was it? Keith Carradine movie. Uh, Sally Kirkland was in it, and Tom Waits was in it, and actually a bunch of people were in it. And it's a movie called Cold Feet, and I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be awful. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's why you've never seen it. Yeah, but he did write Legends of the Fall, Jim Harrison. Yeah, which I've never read the book. The the movie legends of the fall is a mist. I kind of think I knew what they were trying to do. And a lot of it was really interesting, but ultimately I think, yeah, it fell short. It fell, it fell short, but I liked where they, I liked a lot of it. It reminded me, it reminded me of an author that I like. I had no idea that was Jim Harrison because I'm the Jim Harris. I haven't explored him yet. Yeah. So, so Um, there's, there's that then a couple of other just quick, quick things. There is, I, I think it's a Quick things. Test. Take your time. This is just part one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Lord. We're going to break up into discussion groups later. There is, <laughs> there is a Ferrari Testarossa. I think it's Ferrari Testarossa. Who's got first, that one? First scene. Very first scene. Hot girl drives up and oh, Ferrari goes that's to that a Ferrari. fancy okay. bar. Yeah. Um, but the, the one thing that... Um, the, the one other thing I just, it, this is, I think more typical eighties, eighties stuff, right? Eighties films, but 
and I've mentioned it before, but literally every woman in this movie shows her boobs. With well, the one exception of the waitress. It's, it's bizarre. Oh, it's just, it's juvenile crap. Yeah, it, it's, it is. It's, but I mean, and it is an 80s thing I get, but. It's, it's a little late for that though. 89? Yeah, I know. It's just, that. It just, it struck me as being way over the top. No pun intended. Um, yeah, it was but it's just silly. Just, it was like kind of noticeably kind of constant. I don't, maybe I'm just used to movies that are, are not doing that anymore. Maybe I'm just kind of, you know, it's been 20 years, right? Or well, shit, it's been 40 years since the 80s. So maybe I'm just kind of used to that no longer being the case. But to me, it was just very, very noticeable. And it struck me as, it just struck a, the wrong chord. And a couple, me. the one, one scene especially was just gratuitous. It was like, Almost shoehorned in for just more. Let's have more breasts, yeah. Type of thing, and it was unnecessary, yeah. Because it didn't have to be. It really wasn't selling itself as that. It was really selling no. itself more as a of action, of you know, a fighting martial arts action type of thing. Right, right. So yeah, it's just that that yeah. So that yeah. kind of that kind of um, um, that kind of a, uh, annoyed me. Um, Okay, so let, let's. You want to get into some more of the detail of some of the plot elements and. Well, um, yeah, I, I. Do you have something you want to? Well, I mean, there's uh, a big fight at the end. We can talk yeah, about, which well, is kind of. Oh God, um, uh, the big fight at the end is is to me it's hysterical. He shows up at Bengazer. <laughs> Bengazer has two pool tables, by the way. In his foyer, in this huge foyer, when he, Dalton goes to see him, he walks through the front door. Yeah. And there's this big room, and on either side, as he he's got two pool t- you know. That's in case he wants to play two games. Yeah, I just think he's new money, and he doesn't really know how to spend it. So he Man, buys, like, right. the yeah. the worst things. But, um, so Patrick Swayze infiltrates the compound and does this kind of, like, takes people out one by one. Yeah, it does a James Bond kind of a thing. He he ends up stabbing a guy in the gut. Yeah, taking that knife and stabs <laughs> another th- guy in the gut. <laughs> right, he, he throws it up <laughs> at the balcony, killing Pat. Yeah, poor Pat, who falls from the balcony. Yep. There's other. There's two other guys seen lying on the ground. You're not sure how they die. Yeah, and he didn't rip their throats out because because you'd see their throats. So throats intact. Yes, throats intact. Um, and then there's the final showdown with Ben Gazzara, and Ben Gazzara puts up way too good of a fight. Yes, he does. <laughs> Again, although I guess you could say um, Patrick Swayze by this point he's been shot, right? Even though it's it's in the he, side or is he is it stabbed or shot he's always grazed somewhere yeah, yeah he's he's bleeding so he's weakened but there's no way ben gazera it's it's yeah that, no, it's, that's yeah, ridiculous yeah yeah, yeah. but you gazera, do have the crucial scene where swayze's gonna rip his throat out and doesn't he's got his yeah he's got his fingers in that claw grip it was like a you know classic 70s run run shaw movie you know shaolin <laughs> kind of thing going on but he 
he doesn't do it. So the one guy he doesn't kill is the cause of all the mayhem. Yes, he kills everybody. The minions, else. yeah. The minions must die. <laughs> That's right. But he's not going to kill Ben Gazir. But we don't have to worry about that because Red, Emmett, Tillman, and car salesman guy all show up. They all have some type of rifle, shotguns, yeah. And they murder Ben Gazzara. Yeah, they shoot now, him. They shoot him uh, four uh, times, and he doesn't arguably, die. I mean, you shoot a guy with a shotgun that close, it's messy. One is going to be done. That, that's all you need is one. <laughs> well, arguably, the first shot's in self-defense of someone else because he's about to shoot Dalton. Yes, Dalton. Yes, Dalton, like any good hero in a movie, turns his back on yes. the still-breathing villain who's in within arm's reach of a handgun. <laughs> yes. Of course, and then and then they just all take a shot, and she's falls... why, why does she end up and and his girlfriend shows up somehow? Miraculously. She shows up. I don't know how she knows what's going on. Yeah, it's, he a, falls it's girl, the... girlfriend radar is what it is. But during the course of the infiltration of the house, Ty, uh, Tinker gets uh, he tips over this. It looks like a prehistoric polar bear that's about 25 feet high from the angle they shoot it at yeah and he pushes it patrick swayze pushes it and it falls on tinker yes. the heavy set the only minion who's yes all he has to do is step about two feet to the right or two feet to the left but instead he takes his gun and starts shooting at the stuffed polar bear as it's falling on him. Yeah, well, that's a rational decision. I would have done that. My favorite <laughs> of all this is after they shoot Brad Wesley, Red takes all four shotguns, disappears for about 15 seconds, Yeah, come, comes back, and then the, <laughs> the sheriff shows up. And Everyone says I didn't see anything, yeah. including Tinker. And the sheriff looks like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> Must have been no wishes. I can't. I guess there's nothing I can do about this. Meanwhile, about twenty feet away, there's four shotguns that are going to match the, sh- the wounds and the shells in Ben Gazer's body with the fingerprints yes. of four area businessmen on them. Right, and, and the knife. And still the in, in, in Pat's body that has Patrick Swayze's, Patrick Swayze's fingerprints all, all over it. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. And this guy's just like, oh, I guess I don't have a witness. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? It's not like I don't, no one's moving. You're all coming down to the station. Get get ballistics. Get the crime scene unit. No, it's just like, oh, I guess there's no witnesses. It's definitely the Springfield police. <laughs> And he says, did, did anyone see anything? And Tinker says, All I saw was a bear. That a fell bear on me. fell on me. And the guys start laughing. Yeah. As there's a slaughter in this house, these guys are laughing at what is barely a cute quip from a guy who's also participated in the area mayhem and intimidated. It, it, yeah. it, is, it is just. I, it may be the most unbelievable part of the whole movie. Could be. I don't know Missouri law enforcement. Maybe this is how they operate. I need a witness. <laughs> For somebody clean this place up, there's no witness. Just clean this place up so we can get going. 
they destroyed the Mercedes, by the way, I, as you as you well know, and it also exploded. It it exploded. Yeah, of because course it exploded because it was on fire. It, it, somehow, for whatever reason, <laughs> it, it caught on fire and then exploded. Um, this is the first time you saw this movie, huh? Yes, and you didn't like it, but it's fun talking about, right? It's fun talking about it, and there were. You know, there were elements of it that were, you know, kind of amusing in a campy sort of way. Like, for example, I, I remember this and just kind of putting my hand over my head and, and just giggling. So when he first goes to the double deuce, right, and this fight breaks out and he just kind of watches it all kind of happen and then he goes up to the owner's office and there's this scene of him standing there facing the camera. And in the background, there is literally mayhem going yeah. on in yeah. the bar. I'm thinking to myself, this is nuts. <laughs> there is no place in the world that is like this. <laughs> There could be. It's crazy. He wouldn't. He'd have to be closed for the next few days, waiting for a new shipment of liquor, everything, tables, yes. chairs, and pool, everybody would be in jail. Sticks. Everybody would be in jail. Everybody, but there's no authorities there. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's so yeah. So that so there's that. There's the fact that I love that everybody pulls a knife on him. He gets yeah. Everyone's got a knife, and it gets pulled. Yeah, or a gun. Everybody pulls a a, a a knife or a gun on him, which is which is shocking. Here's the other thing that was that's that's right. I'm going to go up with, noted this, but it's true of the men as well. Kind of when the bar, um, you know, turns when he redecorates into what looks like a cheesy family restaurant. <laughs> the outside? <laughs> yeah, as well as the inside, too, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm honest. <laughs> it looks well, like, a, like It's a 1989 Missouri, T- so... TJ McHappy Doodle's, you know, <laughs> dinner fantasy. I mean, it's just horrible. But when he, when he changes the decoration, it's like suddenly all of the beautiful people in the country show up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not... It's now a mecca for all of Northwest Missouri. I well, like more than I mean, there are people in suits and ties. Yeah, and they're all yeah. looking and and it, it's, it, but it's a town with six people in it. Yeah, I don't. There's a, there's a, actually a Jasper, Missouri, which is in the metropolitan area of Joplin, Missouri. So I don't know if it's supposed to be that, but yeah, I know. All of a sudden, people start showing up, and the it starts looking like the the crowd in the the first scene in the that yeah that really exactly yeah ha- happening uh club yeah that's um you're right yeah people are guys are in suits and um i wonder if it's just you know the local farmers are getting all duded up now to go to uh the double deuce could be could be who knows but uh, uh it, it, the, the, the yeah the whole bar thing just in both both locations i mean i I, I've been to bars and I've been to clubs and there, I've has, never been, been to. there has been only one, two clubs, eh, maybe two, maybe 
like one and then a half and a half clubs that I've been to that came close to clubs that you see in movies and on television where you have, you know, gorgeous people kind of all, you know, dancing around. Yeah, the place looks like it's the size of a football field. Yeah. So the one place that was absolutely that was um, this, this club I went to in Sao Paulo, Brazil, when I was there for four days. Some people was at a conference and some of the locals brought me to this club. And in Brazil, um, it's this wonderful, um, 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 very, very diverse culturally um, um, environment. There, I mean, you know, people have come from everywhere to be in Brazil. And so it's kind of like America. You get a really um, rich kind of culture that way. So the food is fantastic. And for whatever reason, everybody in Brazil is beautiful. Men, women. And when I went to this club, it was shocking how beautiful everybody was. And it was, I mean, and it was, it was slick and chic and weird. And, you know, like every 45 minutes, they'd carry around this, looked like a 55 gallon bottle of champagne. Around the, <laughs> the siren would go off. It was just this bizarre, crazy place. And it was like a movie. It was like a place you'd see in a movie. It was kind of crazy. So, so then the other, the halves were, I went to a club in, in Monaco when I was in Monaco um, and it was kind of kind of like that, but nowhere near. And then I and I went to a club in Bangkok, um, which was kind of like that as well, except it, it was just the Asian clubs are, just, I guess, or it was the only club I've been to in Asia. But it was just different. But it was it was kind of crazy like that, too. Well, it's it's you could not. I would have to leave that first club, the bandstand. I, I would not be able to stay there. And yeah, I, I would never walk into the double deuce. Yeah, they both look like places where I would be very uncomfortable, and I was very uncomfortable at all these other clubs that I've mentioned. By the way, <laughs> well, I don't Brazil blame you. Gonna, yeah, no, I, I don't. I, it's not, not. I've been to dive bars, but nothing like nothing, nothing like where people deuce. were like, "Yeah, I don't." Um, anything else on the on the nuances of the plot? Well, I mean, it's really, um, I mean, I know you got to do this because it's a movie, but it is remarkable how quickly the doctor um, hopped into the sack with Dalton. Yeah, it's like the second. Yeah. And um, the the plot was actually a little bit more, it it started out being a little bit more nuanced than I kind of thought it would be with you know pat's connection to wesley and then you understand after that you know they kind of tease it out a little bit that um brad wesley's you know own you know essentially owns the whole town they they kind of teased it out in you know over time and and i didn't think they did too badly actually it was one of the things that i thought was a redeeming element of the movie but then you get about halfway through and it and it all just kind of it, it it all kind of just fell apart <laughs> and it stopped making sense. And, and Patrick Swayze's, you know, Dalton's inner turmoil. I, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know how that, how did that pay off? I, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. Maybe it, it, it uh, yeah, I don't know. Right. Um, and Sam Elliott showing up. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big Sam Elliott fan. It's a general matter. He plays, you know, one basic character almost all the time and he does a good job and he's a um, workmanlike character actor. You know, he does what he's supposed to do. Um, and I think he's had probably a few you know, probably more solid roles over his career that he's done well with. So I always like seeing him. And I thought he was just completely wasted in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was almost like somebody said, well, our hero needs a mentor so the mentor can die. So what are we going to do? And they, they, they crowbar yeah. this kind of nonsense into it. Um, because technically those... Based on what I saw, those two guys should have easily won. The way those guys f- fought, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. You put yeah. those two guys up, and you got some of the you got some backup guys on the crew. It shouldn't have been a problem, but you know, like you say, they they do what everyone does, and they separate. And yes, no one's looking out the window to see who's coming. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> crazy. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I guess yeah, but I, but Sam, I mean, I I I it was. I'm I'm almost glad that they didn't try to do too much with Sam Elliott because then he would have been more a part of the disaster that is this movie. <laughs> so now at least he had just a smaller part. He's kind of like, oh, okay, well, they did nothing. He actually asked, can, can you, yeah, after two days on the set, he's like, can you kill my character off, please? <laughs> so I got a couple. Um, Sunshine Parker is Emmett. Yeah. Do you know how old Sunshine Parker was when this movie was made? 195. 62. Oh, wow. Yes. Young. Sunshine Parker was in Tremors. Was he really? Yes. I don't know that movie as well as you, but he's definitely in Tremors. Yes. And Sunshine Parker. Here's his IMDb. Okay. Derelict. Railroad Station derelict old geezer cowboy guy hobo old drunker drunkard <laughs> bum bum number two and vagrant <laughs> that, roles. he's had other roles but each of those is a separate role he played all right that's awesome yes <laughs> My specialty is favorites. <laughs> Derelicts. No hobo. Uh, hobo. <laughs> Kathleen Wilhoyt is Carrie Ann. She's actually... Um, Who's Carrie? Addition, who is, I'm sorry, who is Carrie Ann? She was the sassy waitress. Sassy sings, waitress, okay. Yep. That song she sings is hers. She's a singer-songwriter. She does movies and television. Some of her songs have been been part of television you know, television series. Yeah, um, she's She's the singer-songwriter, as is... Pat, the nephew, is, is a guy named John Doe, who has had uh, both um, acting roles and a music career. Um, you know, these these both those people have discographies. They hmm. they have produced back in the day. You know, albums and CDs, and and they're, they're still they're still um, they're still working in both television and they're still working as actors, and they're still musicians. Yeah. Um, so you got, you know, of course, obviously you got the actual 
the the Jeff Healy band. So now you got three three professional um, musicians in this in this movie. Um, well, Terry, presumably, was his band was that, that was, was his I band? Know, it was that, okay. So yep. you had yeah. So you had the so you had all them. Yep. You had the three of them plus her plus Pat. So yeah, that's that's five. Yeah. Terry Funk. He was Morgan, the one who was fired in the in the beginning. The one who was having sex with the no, uh, no, the the one that didn't have the temperament. Oh, the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He was a pro wrestler. He was forty-five years old when this movie was made. Wow. These people, I, it's a, it's a lot of city miles, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Budget was fifteen million. The returns, not. I, I think this is everything. Because I don't think this movie did all that well in the theater, but did become kind of a cult classic in the in the yeah. VHS um, yeah. DVD era. So far, it's like sixty one point six mil. Wow, not bad. Red West, who played Red somebody? Yeah, was that his name, Red West, or is that his real name? Anyways, he uh, was a very close friend of Elvis Presley and one of Elvis's bodyguards for years. Really? Yes. And a sad note. Uh, I was just listening to Elvis today. Kurt James Stefke. He was the bouncer with kind of the blonde hair who in the beginning says to Dalton, you know, when Dalton talks about like peace, love and understanding and making yeah. it a fun place, he says, that sounds good. But a lot of guys we can't take one on one or even oh, two yeah, on yeah. one. That guy. Yeah. 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 Um. He was, I think, he did some stuff off and on. He may have been a stuntman as well. I, I'm trying to remember now. But he and his wife also started a film festival, I think, in his native Nevada. But on November 18th, 2011, there was a murder-suicide where he called the authorities and said he and his wife were struggling over a handgun and she was accidentally shot. And then when they showed up, he had he had... He, he was deceased from a self-inflicted gun wound. Oh, my goodness. That's terrible. So, yeah. So, there's quite a lot going on here. The funny thing was... Not that. That was not the funny thing. Because uh, I like that character. I was hoping... Yeah. I was no, hoping, like, I, that character and the heavier guy were going to yeah. go... You know. Yeah, same here. I was all for... I was all for them to, you know, form the band, you know. And, and hey, we're going we're gonna to beat up the bad guys. They could have helped out at the house. If for nothing else... They yeah. could have pointed to those guys, to the cops, and said, hey, they did it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, uh, yeah. Um, maybe in the sequel. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, God, please, no. Maybe it's in the novel. Maybe they left that. <laughs> it. Did you read the novel? Have you read this, <laughs> I, the, the source material? I have not read the source material. Um, I, I don't read Cran writing very well. So Kelly Lynch is married to a guy named Glazer. Who's Kerry Lynch? Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch was the doctor. Oh, okay. She's married to a, a, a writer producer named uh, Michael Glazer, I think his name is. Well, Michael Glazer. Oh, interesting. Okay. He's Bill Murray's best friend. So. Wow. One night after this movie, and they were married a couple years after this movie. They were like married in 1992 or 93. So a couple years later, he says. Kelly Lynch says her husband gets a phone call and it's Bill Murray and he's like you know your wife is right now having sex with Patrick Swayze he's doing something to her he's he has her pushed <laughs> up against some rocks 
And every time he walks, apparently every time the movie's on and Bill Murray sees it, he'll call and say that. And she said one time he called from Russia because he was in he was in Moscow in a hotel and it was on. And it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. He's calling and says, you know, Kelly. Patrick Swayze, he's really going at it with Kelly. He's really going at it with Kelly. And apparently his brothers got involved too, doing it. Yeah, I thought that was... She tells that story, and it's... She told that story. I was watching a YouTube clip, and it's pretty funny. The way... Because uh, she's like, and you know, there's like 19 Murray brothers, and then they all have to get in on the act. <laughs> I thought she was um, she was likable. She was likable. I thought in the movie. You know? Yeah, I mean, the more I think about the acting, the less kind of impressed I am with it. <laughs> I <laughs> I thought the acting was fine for the type of movie it was. Yes, primarily it was serviceable. The, yes, the serviceable. story and the dialogue were yeah. were. Um, who was the at, who was the blonde bartender? The guy. The one who wasn't oh, I fired. Don't know. don't know his name. He looked familiar to me, and I didn't look him up. I wish I had, um, because I think I've seen him in other other movies. You know who the the African American bartender is, though. Yes, it was Keith uh, David. Yes, yes, yes. Which, you know, this is after he's in the thing and a couple. That was a that was a nothing role. I wonder. Yeah. That's a, I wonder if this movie was cut. You know, if there's some missing scenes or something, because that's a bullshit role for a guy like that. Well, you know, he was I mean, a no name by then. Yeah, but actors, you know, they don't. Yeah, maybe he's doing it as a favor. Maybe it's fun. Maybe he's no doing it, but also, I mean, actors they they take roles, right? I mean, because you never know. You know, you gotta you gotta stay involved. Yeah, Otherwise, you, you know. Honestly, true. I think that's I, I've you know I've I've listened to some. Um, I've 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 listened to some podcasts, you know, with actors. Like uh, I've listened to the podcast Dead Eyes. Have you heard the podcast Dead Eyes? No. So it's this podcast um, made by a guy who, when he was you know younger, because this was the podcast was made very recently, he um, had been he, he was he was cast for a very minor role in one of the episodes of Band of Brothers. He was cast, he was going to be um, Captain Winter's um, aide. Okay. And the day he was supposed to go in and film, he got a call from his agent. They said, you need to go in, you need to read for Tom Hanks because he was directing the scene, or excuse me, directing that episode. And she said, um, and the agent or somebody said to him, I can't remember the, the story, but somebody said to him, they, Tom Hanks said, you have dead eyes. He doesn't, doesn't like you for the part. So you got to go in and, and try out again. So he goes and he auditions again and loses the job. And um, he, you know, went on with his life. He quit acting for a while. He got back into it. He's, you know, doing stuff. He's not doing stuff. And this episode in his life kind of, you know, propelled him to, um, it was always, something always came up, right? Something he always talked about, you know, it's one of his, because he auditioned for Tom Hanks and he said Tom Hanks was really nice. But it was this thing that always kind of ate at him, you know, kind of like, well, what does he mean? You know, what do I have dead eyes? You know, what does that mean? You know, kind of 
what what and also how would my life might have been how, how might it have been different still like a so shark's eyes so yeah right exactly cold so he, dead eyes so he does this podcast and on the podcast he has a lot of people come on and talk and they're you know actors and some of them are famous and some of them are not so famous um but what you kind of hear from people and when you talk to when i you know hear actors talk i mean you know particularly the you know obviously not when you are matt damon you know after you know now right or you take jobs you take those small roles you do those i i understand that but that is a really nothing he's got like one line but maybe he's doing a favor yeah could be maybe it's just whatever um i don't know oh there's also the funny scene um the when the landlord when Emmett um starts to remove the cover and, and and he sees the the Mercedes, he takes his hat off almost like he's in the presence of a sacred object. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks out and, and, and Swayze's doing like Tai Chi or something like that. And yes. he, he might as well be like doing some some crazy like because he's just like, what is going on here? Like, this is the most exotic craziness that the town has ever seen. Is a Mercedes in town and somebody's doing Tai Chi? Um, Swayze gets 5000 up front, 500 a night. So I'm thinking even if this takes place over a month and he maybe has a, a day or two off, say 26 days plus the 5000 he's making like $17,500. For say in a month, right? That's not not bad at all. He pays a hundred in rent, so you got to take away a hundred. I'm thinking about a thousand in food, maybe fifteen hundred for the car and the car damage. Mm-hmm. Maybe eight hundred for repairs to the car, and so now you're just you know you're at about fourteen thousand dollars he's clearing, but you have to like subtract about twelve thousand dollars for cigarettes. Yeah. And, you know, he probably clears about 2000 for this. But seriously, if he actually got that, if he actually got those numbers, and I'm assuming it's under the table, um, he's not doing too bad. No. He's not doing too bad at all. No, being a cooler is a, um, um, is a, is a pretty, good, pretty good gig. I guess it's a good gig if you're really good at it. So that is, um, I think, I think that's uh, all I have on. I mean, I could talk about this movie forever, but um, we're gonna we're gonna I think call it quits right now, <sighs> and um, we'll pick up tomorrow and and talk about a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anything you're reading or watching? Um, well, I um, how about you go first this time? Yeah, this is where I wanted to talk real briefly. There's a six-part series. Yes. I think it's on an AMC um, app you can download. It's called uh, No One Saw a Thing, and it's about a guy named Ken McElroy in Skidmore, Missouri in 1981. He's a town bully. He just intimidates people. He intimidates people with deadly weapons. He's, uh, he, he has no friends. I mean, he's just a nasty big bully he's got a huge rap sheet 21 plus indictments for everything from cattle wrestling wrestling to 
child molestation to assault and battery and attempted rape and even maybe attempted murder. And there's a slick talking kind of sleazy attorney uh, in the county who, who seems to be able to kind of get him off on all of this stuff. So he has this reign of terror. One day, the, a couple of the people in town want to have a meeting with the sheriff to say, hey, we got to do something about this guy. Street from this town meeting is a bar. This McElroy guy with his wife pulls up. Go, they go into the bar. They stay for a while. People at the meeting are alerted that McElroy's in town right across the street. Um, the sheriff leaves and says, you should form a neighborhood watch, keep an eye on things, and he just leaves town. McElroy purchases a, like a six-pack from this bar. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Missouri. Were you able, ever able to <laughs> actually purchase alcohol and leave a bar, except maybe in New Orleans on Bourbon Street? Um, <laughs> sits in his truck... Anywhere between like 30 and 60 people gather in the street. And he sh- from behind, he shot twice and killed in broad daylight. And from till today, no indictments. No one saw anything. And this, this six episode uh, documentary goes not only into the local investigation, the FBI investigation, but also kind of almost a biography of this dumpy little, this pathetic little town in northwestern Missouri. It's about 403 people. And, you know, in the decades that followed, there was some leads or, I mean, it's just one of those things, like the authorities know, everybody knows who did it. And, but, nobody's, no one's really, no one's, actually broken down and and it admitted who did except supposedly the a name was referred by the fbi the fbi said there's no there, there's no authority involvement here so there's no civil rights claim so we're out of here but here's a name or two to the da and the da declined to prosecute because there wasn't enough evidence but you know this is going on um 40 years now of this and it also does a, a interesting kind of case study of the the town itself where the town was back then where it is now some other unusual crimes that occurred there and it, it's it was kind of really interesting it's like i said it's called no one saw a thing and it reminded me of the end of roadhouse so for our listener anthony mentioned he was going to bring this up in one of our one of our um, podcasts. So somewhere, I believe it's Roger Ebert's review of Roadhouse somewhere. And I think that's where I saw a reference to Roadhouse being inspired by that event. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, the, the end, I mean, inspired. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Not, the, not ta- that, yeah, the town yeah, bully not, gets killed. Right, not right, exactly. Not not, not right. <laughs> Didn't go and say, oh, let's 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 have all yeah. this stuff happen. No, but yeah. So I that that I I saw that it, it, you know it, while I was preparing for the roadhouse um, um, part of this that's, part of this podcast, that's, and I thought that's Ebert's. 
That's yeah, Ebert's I, I review. That's funny. I believe it was in Roger Ebert's review where he says he says that, but it was it was somewhere that I saw when I was looking at some Roadhouse stuff. But um, oh, that's yeah, terrific. you know that that true some of the true cr- crime stuff that that you hear, um, like there's a podcast called S Town, I think it's called, um, which does something similar where it's a reporter goes into the small town. I think it actually might be in Missouri as well. I can't remember Sorry exactly where trend. it is, but yeah, right. Stay out of the middle of the country. Um, but some of those things do a really good job of doing just what you, you know, kind of giving you the, the, that broader perspective of <clears throat> what that community is, what it looks like, what the people are like, what those towns are like, and kind of <clears throat> opens your eyes, especially for people like you and me. I mean, we're both, you know, you know, raised in the Northeast East coast guys. Yeah. And have always lived near, you know, major metropolitan areas. Um, and have always, you know, been in, you know, what I would call kind of, you know, culturally the center of what you see on TV for the most part and in movies for the most part. Right. I mean, we're, we're close to those things and we're not, you know, certainly not every example, but you know, we're, we're kind of, we are who people pitch to, right? We're, you know, we've, we've, we've got money and we've got, um, um, you know, the wherewithal to, um, to participate in the culture in the way that um, the commercial interests want us to, so they can separate us from our money. Um, and it's easy when, you know, you live in those sorts of environments and you're surrounded by, um, you know, similar people, to, to forget that there are large parts of the country that simply have a different lived experience yeah. than yeah. we have. And I like some of those, those, those sorts of shows because it gives you a little bit more of that perspective and it kind of reminds you of, um, um, it kind of reminds you of what's, you know, the fact that there are large parts of the country where people have very, very, very different um, perspectives on things. And it comes from a very, very, very different experience set than what, than we have. Um, and so I, I always enjoy those things. I like them. And um, it reminds me, incidentally, I have a, a suggestion for a movie for us to do called the great happiness place. I will, I will um, send you a note about it separately, but um, but it's also um, reminds me um, a little bit of the thing that I I'm I watched fairly recently. I wanted to note for people, which is the documentary. I guess it's a true crime documentary in a sense, um, although personally I don't view it necessarily as a crime, or at least not some pieces of parts of it. But uh, which is about uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. It's called the the documentary is called Heaven's Gate: The Cult of Cult. I think it's a four it's either four or six part documentary on HBO about the heaven's gate cult, which was a very small, I don't think it ever had more than maybe 60 people in it, 80 people, maybe at most. Um, but usually a lot smaller, but it was a cult um, organized by two people who it's just a really strange sort of a background. They, I don't know kind of what inspired them. And I don't think it's ever really made particularly clear exactly what inspired them, but they weren't, you know, 
boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. Um, I think the man came, had a kind of a difficult experience. I think be, I, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think he may have been a teacher and that kind of fell apart, but whatever it was, they came together and they had this, I mean, completely bizarre set of cult beliefs about aliens coming to take them to the next level of existence. Um, and it was kind of known, you know, not all along necessarily, but fairly quickly, I think people understood that this was a cult about killing yourself so you could go on to the next existence or, or dying at the time that the next existence was ready for you. Um, and it lasted, uh, what do I want to say, 20 plus years um, of these people kind of really committing to this. And then finally they did all commit suicide. And the reason um, the documentary reminds me of, of, of kind of that, you know, lived experience and how things are different for different people is that the documentary interviews some former members of the cult and including some former members who, you know, missed by a very short period of time being a part of the cult when, when they all committed suicide and it doesn't treat them all as, oh, well, these people are just nuts or, oh, these people were, you know, you know, vulnerable for a particular reason. And that's why, you know, they joined the cult and blah, 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 all this stuff. It was a very sympathetic um, sort of approach. They allowed these people to really tell their stories as to what inspired them to go in that direction. And it's really interesting when you can get beyond your um you know subjectively governed standards and just kind of say sit back and say okay i'm just going to i'm just going to take all of this at face value and hear what these people have to say right? try to get an understanding of really get an understanding of where they're coming from and try to you know walk around in their shoes for a bit um because you, you, you really get a very different perspective on things when you're able to do that. And I love the fact that there seem to be a lot of people attempting to do that in film these days, in, in particularly in documentaries. And that's, uh, that's an HBO, that's on HBO Max, right? It's you on HBO that. Max. Yes. It's an HBO production. Yep. Yeah. I'd like to watch that too. It's a, did you say it's a, it's a two-parter? Uh, four, four or six. I can't remember which, but it's not, it that, it's not that many. It might be, yeah. actually it might be just before. Yeah. That's another doc. I like the, I like it's the really, it's really interesting. I, I mean, it, it's, you know, very sad, of course. Um, and, you know, very distressing in, in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, people there, you know, sometimes are, are not necessarily sympathetic, but what's really nice is, and I'm thinking about one character, one per character, one person in particular that they, that they interview who is a cult member for a very long time and, and left and, and kind of his reaction to what they did and his feelings about it now, you know, many years later, how he's getting along in his life. It's, I, it's just fat. I mean, it really is fascinating. Okay. So we got uh, two docs recommended. Both look very um, upbeat and <laughs> <laughs> a good time type of documentary. Well, they it could be a palate cleanser Listen, after Roadhouse. I think Roadhouse. If, I think 
you you make it intentionally campy and you have um a Kurt Russell as the bouncer. Now we got a movie. Okay, but intentionally campy Kurt Russell movie that really works well at that is Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Which yeah. I would say is my guilty pleasure, except that it isn't because it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a lot yeah. of fun. I would yeah. if you could put Kurt Russell in this role. You'd camp it up a little bit more and, and like intentional camp. Yeah. Yes. But I like it anyways. I like it. Anyways, I think that's it for tonight. That was fun. I know you don't like the movie, but thanks for watching it. <laughs> I had a great time talking about it. Absolutely. Have a next, great night. Next week, Roadhouse 2. Okay. You're, you're on. And <laughs> uh, I'll send in my substitute. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.